Ding, 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 ding. Hello? Yeah, this is Jake of Jubilee Street Podcast fame. No, I can't hold. You called me. Sorry, I've got to do this podcast. I have to let you go. Welcome, everybody. It's me, Jake. I'm sorry you had to hear that phone call. And if you've arrived in this digital audio environment podcast, you've once again crossed the street when you're not supposed to because you're at Jubilee Street, a music podcast, and you're in violation of jaywalking. I'm your host, Jake Curtis, as I've mentioned three times now. I'm joined by my seminal co-host. I'm nodding to him to say his name. Uh, That's my co-host, What's Up? Uh, otherwise known as Ian McCurtis. Uh, we are continuing our ghost teen residency this week. We're talking about some ghost teen songs. We did spinning song for the first week. We followed that up with the very strong galleon ship. We are talking today about ghost teen speaks and you're going to hear a clip of that right here. I am beside you. Beside you, I am beside you. Look for me. Jake almost didn't make it to Jubilee Street on time. I was stuck in Quadratum. Look for me. Quadratum. Uh, did you make it the wrong turn at the black hole? I did, yeah. I made a uh, wrong turn at the black hole. The Heartless got me, and then I managed to. Uh, sneak back over to Jubilee Street, right in the nick of time. Did you did you see the uh, weird part of Quadratum where Nick the Stripper's hanging out with Goofy and Donald? Yeah, it's in a, in a CD alleyway. Yeah, it's called Kingdom Hearts Post Punk. It's going to come out in like thirty years. Shishi, Ian, how you doing this week? How you feeling about this Ghost Teen residency so far? Doing great, loving the residency. Uh, what do you think about Ghost Teen Speaks? Let's get right into it. I don't know, Jake. You picked one of the songs with the least amount of lyrics. So I was like, you know, what 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 is this episode going to look like? What are we going to talk about? I think I would well, like to... S- I, I think it's going to be less of me reading the lyrics to come up with what to say next. It'll be less <laughs> of that. <laughs> I, th- I think I want to start with this like idea that I think the song... Uh, is getting at it's something that always strikes me hard in like movies whenever someone like goes to like a medium to like talk to a psychic and like reconnect with a dead one this idea of like mm-hmm. the dead comforting the living even though the dead person is the one who suffered they're dead so this song mm-hmm. i think the idea is that arthur cave is like comforting his dad even though he's the one that passed on and that just that's an that's like an idea that always gets me when I was looking up the lyrics and, you know, listening to the song, I was like, is this song really as like on the nose as it seems? And I saw some notes on the Genius lyrics page that said they like broke down the name of the album and they did like, so it's Ghost Teen. Ghost Teen. So it's a ghost of a teen. And I was like, that seems relatively reductive to, you know, the kind of like high art that the bad seeds aspire to, but okay. Have you heard about, I think it's a Filipino thing where they, they don't like cremate or 
remove the body as quickly as we do in American culture. They like preserve it in a way that they keep it in the house with them for years so that they can, I guess it's so that they can process like the death of a, of a loved one and like be with them in the room. And that's what this song made me think about is like weird death customs and like the idea of like a very much alive person. Like, like it was just, I just kept thinking about Nick, like laying next to his son and imagining like the ghost of his son laying there with him and, you know, talking to him and like, it's a very beautiful idea, but it's also really creepy. I have not ever heard of that. I think that there's not really any other interpretation to it. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a seance kind of song. I think that this is the most like outwardly like obvious, like healing song for him. And it's like you said, it's like, it's his interpretation of his son reaching out and like being like, I'm okay now. Like, you know, this sucked, but I'm okay. And you'll be okay too. And I think it's, a it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like this song should have more of an emotional impact, but when I listen to it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, but it feels more kind of uplifting. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think the last two songs on this, like, side, well, not side A, but like the first part of the album, mm-hmm. Ghosting Speaks and Leviathan, I almost feel like they're long interludes bridging you into the second part. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost feel like Ghosting Speaks and Leviathan are more just less songs and more just like setting. They feel like transitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a double transition track or something. Uh, Yeah, I felt the same way because as I lose. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I mean to cut you off. No, just the same as like this whole album. Like, it's all dealing with something that on the surface seems so negative, and this whole album is uplifting. Well,. I think sometimes they say like until it happens to you it may be harder for you to have empathy about it and I feel like we're all very removed from a lot of the like kind of terror that's happening all the time in the world and you know everything has like a has a warning label on it now like I don't know if you heard about that um man that got killed in Grand Rapids by the police but like every video that I've seen online like there's like a a caution video that comes up with it. And I'm trying to remember why I brought this up, but it seems like, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Like we're, we're further and further removed from suffering, like because of partially because of technology, but also because like, I think Americans probably more than any other culture just have a really, really bad relationship with death because our culture is all about like rebirth and renewal and everything's so tinted by like Judeo Christianity that, like the idea of death is rarely talked about. Like my mom and my, I've almost gotten into an argument with her about this where like, she just thinks I don't want to talk about death. And it's like, it's not that I care about talking about death. It's more that I care to not think about my loved ones dying. And that's like a hard thing to say to her because she's very like, she goes to like death cafes and she's into like, uh, I don't know if you've seen that new episode of Atlanta, but death doulas and shit like that. Hot and song. yeah, death doula. Shout out Hosnicks. The the point I'm making is that like it's it's hard to imagine like truly truly imagine the trauma of losing a child. And as I listen to this, 
the like lightness of the the production and the lightness of the way that he's singing it feels very calm like it kind of feels to me like how i felt when my dad passed away and like i was at the funeral home and like basically all of my friends that i'd ever had were there i think only a couple of people didn't show up and it was like it was like really fun because we were all just like hanging out in this place and there was like free cookies and shit and there was like a huge like fish tank but then like right down the hallway like my dad's just in this box and like you know my uncle's going through it my aunt's going through it and i'm just sitting here like i got people taking pictures of me and my friends at this funeral like kind of kind of weird in hindsight i remember thinking it was weird but um at the same time like death is a celebration and i feel like this is a long-winded way, way of me saying like you know this feels like a very celebratory song and i think it's fitting like you said with leviathan that it feels like we're about to move into a different type of like trauma and like healing that's going to happen with like hollywood and some of the later songs i want i want to push back a little bit on something you said a few minutes ago i didn't want to interrupt you cuz you're on a roll but that we are oh no it's okay out of touch with suffering this could just be the optimist in me Mm-hmm. But I feel like because of COVID, like almost everyone in the world has went through this like long period of trauma. Yeah. And my hope is that it's like a giant empathy bomb for everyone. And we all, I, I don't know how we could go through what we went through and not all be a little bit more in touch with each other and suffering. And maybe that's naive, but I, I mean, I feel that way. Sure. Um, I guess what I mean is like, because it might be more that I'm trying to put everybody under my umbrella, but like whenever I'm at the gym, all the TVs are talking about like Ukraine and the Supreme Court and all this stuff. And I feel like I'm still relatively tapped into the like current events of the day, but I find that because I'm not on my phone as much as other people and, you know, I'm not checking the news as much as I used to, because quite frankly, it would just raise my blood pressure and I couldn't check the news for a while. But I guess like I personally still feel this disconnect with death where I've never, I never really properly dealt with death until, until like I was alive for 30 years when my mom's dog Brock died and I'd carried, I'd carried two caskets up to that point, but I hadn't ever carried a dead body like in my arms and I had to like carry Brock, you know, he was so heavy. <laughs> like I, I can't imagine people lifting up like dead human bodies. Um, and anyway, it's like to, to me, this song really helped me like learn how to empathize more with people who are suffering and like also that there are different ways that people cope with things. And I feel like there's like a calm period and there's an angry period and there's all the like stages of grief and um, that's why I picked this song because I really like the idea that like the dead can speak with us, speak with us from the grave or after they've gone into the grave. And I think it's just what makes Ghosting so impactful is that as a whole, as a whole record. And um, I wanted to pick this song because it is kind of understated in oh, the way that the bad seeds, it's even more understated, I think. Like it's a really beautiful song and... I don't think it's one of my my favorites off of Ghosting, but 
I thought it was a I thought it would be a good middle track before we, you know, go to you know the fourth song we're doing this month and kind of round it out. Uh, sorry to backtrack again, no, but if okay. I may, back to when you were talking about your dad's funeral, mm. that that was a big thing I thought about a lot with this song is that how we're raised to. I I mean I guess I do think death is a bad thing, especially considering. As far as I'm concerned, once you're dead, that's it. Like, yeah. that's a horrible thing. Uh-huh. But so let's say you or anyone like broke up with their significant other. Okay. You could come to me and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to sympathize with you and I'm going to feel horrible about it too. Mm. But I can either sit there and make you feel worse and talk about how much it sucks mm-hmm. or I can be like, uh, let's fucking go get some great Mexican food and go watch a movie and like have a good time and not and like, yeah lighten the mood like and i guess i think the same thing about death like death sucks but like we can try to have a good time and try to have fun through it yeah and like try to uplift each other and i guess that is something i thought about with the song i thought about your dad's funeral i thought about when my grandpa died there was some misunderstanding with hospice and his body was there for like 12 hours in my grandma's house and we were all just like laughing about how bizarre the situation was and like it's a good memory even though it's such a fucked up weird thing for his dead body to just be in the house all day Did i think about uh when cody died and we went to his funeral and we were just like got coffee and we were hanging out and laughing before the funeral and mm-hmm. you know I, th- I think that's really healthy to like find a way to have some semblance of fun in the face of like the worst thing, someone's life ending. Yeah, it's it's it's, but it's tricky, right? Because it's like we couldn't go in there and like tell all our favorite stories about Cody because we might have been like insensitive. Even though I think, well, I think that was our big problem with that whole thing, right? Like the the people that were there mourning him were kind of the people that contributed to his bad habits. I mean, he's solely responsible for his choices. I'm not saying that other people should be blamed for what he chose to do, but. I think there was this weird kind of juxtaposition of like, why isn't there more like, you know, jawbreaker being played and like less of these people who like probably could have cared less about Cody if he wasn't their drinking buddy. And I guess that, that, and I know that that's, that's again, like kind of reduces people to like an activity, but I think that's just my like frustration with the whole thing. Cause like I get really sad sometimes that, I don't get to have him as a friend anymore. And I imagine that's how Nick Cave feels that he doesn't have his son as his son anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Got a little I think a big, teary-eyed thinking about that. You know, I, I think the idea of this song is that when you're around other people, we want them to, like, help us get through those moments. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, I I still, I mean, that was like six years ago. I still have like days every so often where I think about it and it fucking, it hurts still like bad. And, but I don't think he would want when us hang, when we're hanging out for us to like be sad remembering him. Like mm-hmm. if I was to die tomorrow, I would want you all like making fun of me at my funeral and like just making jokes and mm-hmm. like roasting me. And like, I, I don't want it to be a somber thing. Like nobody wants that. Like. We we want to be remembered in a fun way, in a loving way, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, man, we did go to that coffee shop before. What was that place called? Uh, it's down in the south end. I've only been there a few times. I, I can't remember. It's a cool coffee you shop. Know, you know what I remember is I think I was living at my mom's at that point in time. And I remember you told me when we got there, you were like, Calvin's always saying that you can really judge a coffee shop by its espresso. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if you ordered espresso or not, but um, I remember you saying something like that. It could have been at another place too, but I, I always remember you saying stuff like that. I think I did order espresso. I was doing that a while because of Calvin. Okay, and okay. I will, I will say to good coffee, like, I can't drink Starbucks espresso plain. It, it tastes burnt and disgusting. Oh, it's awful. But like, at a good coffee shop, I still don't love it, but like, I, I get why people love it. I'm like, okay. I don't well, order that it, anymore, but it, if he, he was get, able to make me understand it. If you get the right person working the machine and they have good coffee, and there's so many factors, like the type of water they use, everything. But you I'd still can, rather have black coffee. Yeah, I, I prefer black coffee too, but I... I used to be one of those people like like coffee shops were like my thing and like I'd go and I'd always order a shot with of espresso and a and a small black coffee and that was like my caffeine for the day. And um so I told like I know a good espresso shot. I haven't had one in a long time. They're kind of like it's kind of an unheard of like delicacy for me now. Like I rarely get them, but I miss getting them all the time. Anyway, random coffee thread there. Ghostine, Ghostine speaks. Um, yeah, I liked what you said about like people being around you to kind of guide you through your like feelings and sadness, and not not making it be about like you know grief. It's it's really more so about like it is about grief, but it's like it doesn't have grief doesn't have to look like you know sobbing over a casket. Like it can be like look at this fucking guy. Look, he's all you know. Mm-hmm. He lived bloated and he died bloated. He was always farting or something like that. And um, my thing is, I don't, I don't want to ever make people feel worse. But sometimes yeah. that can backfire. Like I'm thinking about just right before we started recording, you were telling me about your taxes, and I'm not going to go into your details, but it wasn't good. And my thought process during something like that is like, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, that sucks. I feel so bad for you because then I feel like that's going to make you feel like. It is really bad, and it, so I like make a joke about it because I hope mm-hmm. that'll make you feel better. But sometimes when you make a joke about it, the person doesn't want to joke about it; they feel bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like a tough balancing act. Like I can overdo the comedy thing and make people feel worse when I'm trying to make them feel better. Yeah, it's tough. I I'm a big like deflect with comedy person, and not especially in my like you know personal relationships, friend relationships, like. It can really like backfire on you if somebody like needs their. Not that I, I, I don't think I, I cared much. Like it, it, it wasn't. It was a pretty big amount that I had to pay that I thought was bullshit. But you know, I thought it. I think it's. I would rather you keep it light than you know. But I, I do it all the time to like my like I do it with Courtney all the time. She'll be having a bad day, and I yeah. try to joke about it to mm-hmm. bring her out of it. And then she but gets sometimes mad. you just want to you want to sit there in it and like deal with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I totally understand. Um, sometimes you need comedy to just it's a cope. I mean, it's a coping mechanism. Just like you know, it is like you know, kind of the way that people like go to seances and have mediums and you know, 
believe in crystals and tarot and like the the moon positions like I do think the moon kind of has an impact on us because it's a natural force like in our gra- like gravity force but anyway you don't think so you're watching too much moon night I haven't seen it yet uh, I don't have Disney plus anymore part of my Marvel boycott boycott you're Marvel. Doing the Lord's work doing the Lord's work just as Kevin Smith would say but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got a, a little off topic there. Um, there was one thing I remembered about my dad's funeral too, where this was so funny. Uh, it was one of those moments where like no one really laughed, but I remember kind of like, you know how I'll do that thing where I kind of laugh when like something ridiculous happens and it seems rude, but it's just like my natural reaction to mm-hmm. it. Uh, so. I don't know if I want to put them on blast. I don't really. They're never going to hear this, so it doesn't matter. Matt Restrepo's family. Oh, uh, yeah. I, do, do you remember this? Yeah, you, you've told me. I don't know if you said it on the podcast, so tell the story. But yeah. Well, if we want to bleep out their name or something, if we both, if we're, I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think either, any of them are going to listen to this. If, well, I mean, it was an innocent mistake. It doesn't make anyone look Yeah, bad. they didn't look bad, but uh, I had lost a lot of weight by around the time that my dad had passed because one, I was drinking and partying a lot and, you know, not eating enough, but I was also like, uh, I was exercising a lot. I got really into biking and rock climbing. So I had, I had kind of like leaned out a little bit. And so I was looking much better. And my dad's friend and his brother were talking to me and Matt Restrepo and his family showed up and Matt Restrepo's dad walked up to this like burly, like super overweight guy that looked a lot like I I did if I was if I had been you know chubbier at the time, and he's like Jake, I'm so sorry for your loss, like, uh, and he's like, oh, I'm not Jake, <laughs> and I, he like turns to his right, like, uh, his dad's like Colombian, so he doesn't have like he he he's like a lighter skin tone, but he was. I could tell he was. They were embarrassed because right after that happened, I don't remember anything else, but I'm pretty sure they were gone. Like the whole exchange, just like everybody was just like, "All right, evacuate." Um, it was a good little. It was another good little moment. But um, anyway, if anything though, that's flattering to you because you lost so much weight. Yeah, that you weren't recognizable uh-huh. to his dad. I mean, I didn't even care. I don't take that stuff that personally um, well it would have been it would have been uh more of a bummer if you'd gained so much weight that someone didn't recognize you i know that would have been bad <laughs> uh yeah um do you think do you think like when any of our friends die they're gonna have like little like funny things that they want us to do with them like i imagine like mike will want like a whoopee cushion in his casket for whenever his body like shifts like the whoopee cushion will go like Brr. I don't know, you know, last week when you, you know, just naturally were talking about death a lot with this album, Yeah. last week when you asked me if I had made a will, I was like, that's a weird fucking question, I'm 30 years old, but... It's not that weird. Then I was like, you know, I don't really want a funeral or anything like that, but it would be fun to just, like, ask you and different (laughs) friends of mine to, like, do funny things if I were to die, so... I do like that idea a lot. Like just uh, take po- like take your body around town. <laughs> yeah, just like in my honor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you take my body to the Mister Gaddies? <laughs> like sit me at a table. We'll but we'll have to rent out the hearse for the entire day. That would be really fun. Um, 
on court. Yeah, I like that idea. I wish you know, I wish Cody would have had a will of asking each of us to do something really ridiculous. Well, that's what's that's what's tragic is he could have done like a bequeathal thing. And it's and like you, if you don't do it, you didn't love me. So it's, you like have to do it. It yeah, it would have been like Pierce in that episode of Community where he's like, I you know, Jeff, I've got a big gift for you and it was gonna be showing <laughs> up. <laughs> and oh, yeah. that would have been the best, like Cody just being like, Jake, watch out. Uh, Kyle, check under your bed. Like he just had planted <laughs> all these things. It would have been so funny. Um I can't I can't imagine that Nick Cave would uh have thought to do those kind of things, but maybe when he passes, he'll do something funny like that. Maybe that was more of a Nick the Stripper thing. Who knows? I do yeah. love the the like dichotomy between when we do a skeleton tree song and how sad it is versus how much fun we're able to have with death with this album, which I, I know it came out of a tragedy, but I would like to think that's what Nick Cave wanted is like, to bring a, a lightness and a joy to the dark moments. Have you seen uh, the clip from their documentary of this song being performed? I, I saw the trailer. I don't remember what song's being played. I don't. I don't remember. They they played a clip of it. I thought it was live, but they just played a new clip from that documentary that's coming out like next month, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And. It's a really, really good video. I I had watched it when it first came out a couple months ago. It was on James Corden, and then I watched it again last night. Um, James Corden, a big cavehead. Oh yeah, I bet he's a. I know he's a huge Nick Cave fan because he's had Nick Cave on like a million times since he started oh, really? doing late I didn't night. Know that. Well, I'm pretty sure he played. Maybe you know what? Maybe that was Colbert. He played Rings of Saturn on Colbert, I think, and then he's been on on. Uh, Fuck, I forgot his name. Corden. Uh, they all got the same sound of fucking names. Corden, Leno. You know, it's always two syllables. Real quick, Jake. All right. Can you rank for me uh, Corden, Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and Conan? Uh, Conan, obviously, is the best. There's not really any competition. I mean, he wrote some of the best seasons of The Simpsons. I don't even give a shit about anything else. He's just the best. Uh... Fallon's the last. I don't like Jimmy Fallon at all. Okay, we are in total agreement here. We might have the same exact list. Okay, keep going. Um, I really like Stephen Colbert. I don't really like him as a late night guy. So I'd probably do... Fuck, who who was the guy I had in first? Conan's number one. Conan's number one. Then I'd probably do Colbert. Then I would do um, Kimmel, Corden, and then... Uh, whatever, uh, fucking whatever that guy's name is. I'm sorry, I'm tired today. My memory's bad. Okay, same exact list as you, except I would switch. I would put Jimmy Kimmel second and Colbert third. I just like, I like Stephen Colbert a lot more as a person than I do as a late night host. Yeah. I think I, Jimmy Kimmel's great. Jimmy Kimmel is a better late night host. I think I would actually go, I would just mimic your list in that case, now that I think There's about it. There's something about Jimmy Fallon, I just, I don't know, I just don't like him. I hate that the, the roots are his backing band. I know he has like the coolest backing band. He's got the coolest backing band, and he's not the coolest guy. Imagine um, if Conan got to have the roots. I know he would. It would come. The life would have gone completely different for him. Um, I yeah. I, I I think Conan is a legend. Um, he's so funny. 
He he looks like a cartoon character. Like he's complete. He's just the whole package. He's good at talk. Like he's good at like having real moments with people. He's just yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he's everything you want. Yeah, he's he's great, and he is lucky that he gets to be one of the old heads, as they say on the ABC comedy oh, yeah. Abbott Abbott Elementary. Um, yeah, I uh, I tried to get into Tyrio Wack's birthday party, but my friend got in, but I had to wait and outside. Courtney freaked out when they dropped that Tyrio Wack mention on yeah that show. Anyway, yeah, so that was our little aside. Um, I feel pretty good about this song. I don't really think like it's. I think it does exactly what it's supposed to do. I think it's it's a it's a it's a natural progression for what was building on Skeleton Tree and then it would only be fitting that he would do like a perspective song. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful sentiment. You know, we kind of glorify the idea of like the widower at her husband's funeral like sitting alone in a corner with the veil on like you know, and we're like, "Oh, she's so strong. She's going through it all alone." Mm-hmm. We we glorify like someone going through th- the death of a loved one alone, and I think this song is sort of mm-hmm. saying fuck that idea. Like we need to go through these things together and talk about it, and that's an idea that should be celebrated. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got nothing. That's all I got. Okay, I'll let you take it home. Okay, Jake Soprano. You're wearing a Soprano shirt. Hey, listen, I'm, fitting. T- I'm telling you, I just that's all I got, all right? And if you don't want to wear the blue lipstick, you better keep your mouth shut, okay? Jake, did you just dab your forehead with a napkin made out of Capicola? Yeah, I got to keep my forehead greasy in case the cops try to grab me. <laughs> gotta keep, I'll be too slippery. Keep it extra greasy. Yeah. All right, everybody. Blue, get my listening. Capicola. We will have one more Ghostine episode. In April, it's going to be... A pretty epic one, if I do say so myself. Let's just say Until it's got then, its own sign in L.A. Oh, oh, so are we... Well, that's a tough riddle. Does that mean we're doing, what, Night don't, Raid? Don't, don't, spell, don't, don't spell it out hmm. for him. Don't spell it Fireflies out for him. Fireflies by Al City. Uh, so we have an Instagram page. Eyes. We have a Facebook page. Email jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. All that stuff. Uh, however you're listening to us, if you could like us on there. Or review us, or both. That'd be great. Until next time, I am Ian McCurtis. He is Jake Curtis. And we're saying good night. Good night. I think they're singing to be free. I think my friends have gathered here for me. I think they've gathered here for me.